Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, where God's mission is our passion. Today's guest is Dr. Deb Derbyshire, medical doctor and veteran missionary of the International Mission Board serving in Thailand. Dr. Deb, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm excited about having you here because I love to hear you anytime you're speaking and to have you one-on-one is just very exciting for me, so welcome. Thank you. Dr. Deb, why a missionary? How did God call you? I was in a Sunday school class, I was in high school, and minding my own business, so I thought I had not had a thought about being a missionary up to that point, I was still in high school, and we had a missionary come to our Sunday school class, talked about being a missionary in Bangladesh for 35 years, and he had my attention. The last thing he said had nothing to do with the whole hour he spoke, but the last line he said was, the saddest thing I've seen after 35 years on the mission field are the children sick and dying because there's no one to take care of them. And it was like a lightning bolt through my soul. I said, okay, God, I'll be a medical missionary. From that moment on, I've never wanted to do anything else with my life except exactly what I've been doing on the mission field for the last 28 years. That is amazing. So as a teenager, you knew you were going to be a missionary. Did you know you wanted to go into the field of medicine? My calling to be a missionary and my calling to be a doctor happened at the exact same time. How about that? And just like that, I'm going to be a doctor. Yep. And it happened. It only took me, what, about 12 years. I was a good student in high school, so at that point I didn't really know what I was in store for other than I was ready to obey what the Lord had called me to do. So did your call ever waver? The only time I would say maybe I had a second guess or my a second visit to the call was in seminary. After college, I went to seminary, and while in seminary, I loved it. I just loved every course I took. I loved uh, opening the scriptures and studying them, and I thought I could go as a church planter overseas. And so I took it to the Lord and said, if uh, you want me to med school, you, you need to get me into med school. But if not, I will continue here at seminary and finish my degree here and then go overseas as a church planter. And that sounded wonderful to me at the time, too. So you went to college and then you went to seminary right. and then you went to medical school. Right. Okay. I would have assumed you went to seminary after medical school. Wow. So how did you get to Thailand? Well, I wanted to go to a place where the main thing I did was share the gospel with people. I wanted to go to some place where it was illegal to share the gospel. I thought that would get me in jail in a hurry or kicked out in a hurry. So that yeah. took out a lot of choices. And I didn't want to go to a place where medicine was the main thing you did, where either through language problems or just the sheer weight of the medical work that medicine took precedence over sharing Christ. And so I didn't want to go to either one of those places. And so Thailand was the perfect mix for me, perfect mix. Medicine is still a wonderful inroad to the gospel. It's a wonderful bridge to the gospel. And I do uh, spend a lot of time doing medicine. The main thing, the heart of what I do is share Christ with person after person there. And you've been your whole career with IMB in Thailand. That's right. Wow, that's amazing. How many years? Since 1992. 
Let's say I got married in 92, so I'm guessing that's about, what are we up to, about 20? 28, 29 years, yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. Tell us about your country. Thailand, they say, in their own words, to be Thai is to be Buddhist. So many times when I share Christ with people, their first response is, I can't be a Christian because I'm Thai. My understanding is that being Thai is caught up in being Buddhist. They have trouble extracting the two. Buddhism has taught them that everybody has sinned, and they have been taught that the punishment for sin is terrible and send you to, to the deepest hell. And they've also been taught that there is no way to avoid sin or the punishment of sin. So those three teachings that they have since they, they can remember, I bring up with them that these truths that they've been taught are very helpful. And I call them, when they say I'm Thai or I'm Buddhist, then I say, yes, and I want you to believe what you say you believe. You know that you have sinned. You know that sin leads you to hell. Yeah. You know that your religion cannot fix that. Based on what you already know, you haven't been taught yet about the Creator God who made you. You haven't been taught yet about what Jesus did on the cross. But mm -hmm. based on what you yourself know, you're a sinner. You can't fix your sin, and sin takes you to hell. Based on those things alone, you need to listen to what I have to say yeah. about what God's plan for you is. What were some of the biggest adjustments and challenges when you first went to the field? Can you think back that far? 28 years. <laughs> One thing was, uh, uh, the, probably the first thing that happened was just the complete foreignness of it. It mm -hmm. seems kind of elementary, but that it was just completely foreign to me. And I'm a suburban American guy. I... Uh, I'm not an adventuresome person. I'm a suburban American. That, I think, really in the long term helped me because when I got there, there was nothing familiar to me. There was nothing that I enjoyed initially. So I had no honeymoon stage. I cried most days, and I had a deep sense of homesickness and a deep sense of being ill at ease where I was. And so that, I think that was very helpful to me because every morning I got up and I knew exactly why I was there. That the only reason I was in the country was to share Christ with the people who needed him and to honor God with my day that day. And so that was very helpful to me. There were no creature comforts. There was nothing familiar that distracted me. I think I could have a good time today if I did this or that. Now the only thing that kept me with there was the desire to see God honored. This may sound crazy, but to hear a veteran missionary say that he cried every day gives hope to us when we find ourselves in difficult places. But obviously God worked in your life and you came to love that place yes. and those people. Tell me about the people of Thailand. There are many things that uh, I agree to deeply love about Thais. Personality-wise, the Lord did set me up in, among a people that I by nature, get along with very well. They have a deep love for children. as a real strength of society. Men and women, young and old. It's common, I would say, in America for women to do well with children. But it's less common for men to do with children. And it's much, much less common for like teenage boys or teenagers and young men and women to do well with children. But in Thailand, 
they do a very good job at loving on kids in a very healthy way. It's a real strength of society. So I really like that. Ties, in, especially in the rural areas, now maybe not so much in Bangkok and the big cities, but in the rural areas, they're still known as the land of smiles. And people are known by how much they smile. And just being with one another is a happy event for them. That, that's a joy to be a part of. And then Thais are very good at imitating. When I first got there, would have my meetings at the end of every year and ask my staff. I have 30 Thai staff that work with me at the clinic, and all of them helped me plant churches and share Christ with me. And early on, we would meet one-on-one -on -one at the end of every year, and I would say, now, how are you going to help me plant a church this year? What are you going to do this year to lead people to Christ? And early on, all of them had the same answer. So I stopped asking the question because everybody had the same answer. They all said, I'm going to do what you do. That was a, a very humbling matter, a very compelling matter, that I had to walk with Christ mm -hmm. so that I could do what Paul calls us to do in, in 1 Corinthians 11 1 and says, imitate me mm -hmm. as I imitate Christ. Yes. So discipleship there for me is very simple, very straightforward. I imitate Christ and inspire the ties around me to do the same. And their natural or their social inclination to imitate their leaders leads to a very simple discipleship of me. Lead people to Christ and then model a Christ-like life for them to model for others. Yeah. I experienced all those same things that you talked about visiting in Thailand. I love it is such a respectful culture of each other, and it is a pleasant place to be. Tell me a funny story about something that's happened to you as a missionary. Now, I've, been, I've heard some of your stories. You've got a few <laughs> of things that have happened to you. Yes. Uh, yeah, where would I start? In fact, we just have a book that, a book that just came out this past week, or this past month, about a pretty humorous story uh, about when we tried to use an elephant in a Christmas program one year. And the elephant was going to bring the wise men to the manger. And it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it seemed like such a great, great idea. And the elephant proceeded to just destroy our yard, destroy our house, uh, tear up all our trees in our yard, and just made a mess of everything. It was, now, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. That day is now etched indelibly in our mind, and now they made a children's book out of that story <laughs> called The Christmas Elephant. It just came out in print this last month. I, I remember you telling that story before. One of your neighbors came to faith that Yes, night. they did. A woman named Paulina came yeah. to because of the because Christmas of Elephant. The Elephant destroying your book. Yes. <laughs> God can use anything. Yes. What's the best part about being a missionary? What are some of the favorite things you get to do? The answer is real easy. It's the presence of God in the morning. Sitting in the presence of God, knowing His pleasure, seeing His face, hearing His direction, and getting up to obey Him in another day. That is far and away the best thing about being there.
and second place is a long way behind. After you spend time with the Father, what does your day look like? Get up early in the morning and well before dawn and spend a couple hours with the Lord. Work starts about seven, a little after seven. Yeah, I pray with my staff at the clinic and then we see patients until 3.30 and then at 3.30 we all get into uh, cars and vans and go off into one of our church plant sites. Everybody that works with me helps me plant churches all around us and so everybody's assigned a different area where they're trying to start a church so we all head off to go off into that work. Some of the places we go have Christians and so we go and disciple those new believers. Some of them have some people interested so we have uh, interest groups where we help people know more about God. Some of the places we're just going door to door or uh, just uh, sharing Christ for the lost because there's no real work there yet. And so we do that in the evening. Then I come home and spend some time with my wife and then do the uh, paperwork then we usually have an early evening and wait to start the day again the next day. I was going to say, with that to-do list, you probably fall into bed. Yes. Yeah, it's easy to fall asleep. How do you see God at work? When we share Christ with people and see them respond, every soul that gets saved, it's a miracle. You know, I was just talking today about the young man that I was sharing Christ with in his neighborhood he came because somebody invited him i said is there some way i can pray for you he said i don't need anything from you i got everything i need and i said well that's interesting because the bible says that the reason we were made is so that we would honor god and here you are 25 years old and you have never honored god a day in your life that seems like a serious need to me we need to address that. So I talked to him about God's plan for his life and what Jesus did on the cross for him, and 20 minutes later, he went from that person to kneeling and praying to receive Christ as Savior. And so when I see that, you know, that's, I, I just thank the Lord for working in him, seeing how far he was, at what a miracle it would take to bring him to Christ, and then I get to see him come to Christ. I had a woman named Sayut that started to come into one of my discipleship groups in a place called she came to this little group of believers that I had out there, and she sat with me, and I said, so what do you think about this? She said, I don't believe a word you're saying. <laughs> but a week later, she came back. And a week after that, she came back. And another few weeks went by, and I said, so what do you think? And she goes, I don't think anything you say is true. But she kept coming. <laughs> a couple months later, I said, hey, what are you thinking now? She said, I'm about 50-50. <laughs> And then she came to church one day, and after I preached and uh, we sat at church afterwards, and I said, so what do you think now? And she repented of her sin, bowed, and gave Christ her life. So seeing the Lord take people from absolute unbelief and making them his child is just a deep, dear joy to me. Praise God. 28, 29 years into this, what does Dr. Doug know that the young missionary Dr. Doug didn't know? Well, if I was going to go back and talk to myself 28 years ago, I'm not sure. He might have some words for me. 
I would tell him, you have chosen well. And I would tell him that the work will be difficult and he will get tired. But the fruit will be wonderful. And the presence of God will be sustaining. And he will stand 30 years later very glad for what he did. 28 years ago, Dr. Doug needed to hear that. I needed to hear that today. What are some of your desires for the future of your ministry? I have three places right now. A place called Bonpo, a city of 80,000 people. No church has never been a church since God made Adam and Eve. Rochasan, another district that has no church, has never had a church. And Klonkhuen, three places within an hour of where I live that have no church. And the desire of my soul is for there to be a church there where people honor God. Right now I'm, I'm working in all three of those places, trying to see people come to faith and discipling them, trying to get them together as a group so that a church can be born in those three districts where there has never been a church before. Wonderful. What is one of the most encouraging things that someone has ever done for you or your family? while you've been on the field, either in country or stateside? Uh, the list would be in the hundreds. But I would say <laughs> one thing comes to mind early on. Uh, we went to Thailand in 92. We were there almost five years before we came back for our first furlough. And so I came back with four kids. I left with three, came back with four. <laughs> and I was on the plane coming back, realizing I had nowhere to go. We were going to be picked up by my parents. They were going to pick us up at the airport. We were going to spend the night with my parents. And then suddenly in the airplane on the way back to the States, I realized I had no home to go to. And when the work was just so overwhelming, and I'll, I'll blame it on that, that I had really, I had given no reasonable thought to what I was going to do for my family. I'm going to be here a year. I had nowhere to go. I had no... I had no car, I had no house, I had no bowls, no spoons, no couch, no bed. And in the airplane, up to that point I had just dismissed it every time the thought would come up, uh, the Lord will provide, the Lord will provide. At 31,000 feet, faith looked silly all of a sudden, and faith looked irresponsible all of a sudden. So I, I had uh, my spiritual panic attack in the airplane. and. But Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And it, it seems all of a sudden I seem very irresponsible in my own eyes. I don't know what to do. I, I admit being close to panic, I don't know what to do. So uh, just praying that I, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. So we went as planned and spent the night at my parents' house. And uh, the next morning, by breakfast, we had a phone call from someone at the Association of Churches. Not an Association of Churches I had ever been in. This person from the Association of Churches asked me what I was going to do for a place to stay. Broke my heart. I admitted, I, I don't know. And they said, well, I just had someone hand me a check to provide a place for you to stay. You can come pick it up. 
so we drove there. I hadn't been awake in America for more than an hour, and the Lord provided. We went out, picked up their check, and then went around and looked for a place to rent. We found a house that would rent to us with four kids, and you know we had to put down our first month's rent and our last month's rent and all the deposits and everything, and it was 12 cents. All we had to pay was 12 cents less than the money we were given. I just, I cannot thank my Lord enough or his people enough for his provision for us and for their kindness to us. 12 cents. One penny for every month. So yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that was, they had 12 extra cents after we paid everything. Wow. Anything else that you would like to share with those that are listening today? I would say that for all of us, the, the best thing about life in Thailand is available to all of us. Sit in the presence of God every day. As David said, you said, seek my face. So your face, Lord, I will seek. He gives us a chance to come to him. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So then let's draw near to him. And every morning sit at his feet, bask in his presence, soak in his word, and then walk out our door every morning ready to share his message with somebody else. And may the joy of the Lord overflow in our life so that we might inspire his people to walk with him as well and call the lost to see his saving grace. We can do that here in the States just as we can do that across the sea. You are right. Well, Dr. Doug, you never fail to inspire me anytime that I hear from you. Anytime I hear from you, I hear from God. And I've just never had the chance to be across the table speaking one-on-one -on -one with you. And I know this podcast is supposed to be for a lot of people to hear, but I feel like this interview today was for me. So Praise the Lord. Thank you for being with us. It's been a joy. We love and appreciate you. We will continue to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.